0: Hello, welcome to the Snooker Scene Podcast. I'm Dave Hendon and congratulations to Kyron Wilson who has won the Bet-Victor European Masters. Um, He's fifth ranking title, third in Germany. Clearly likes uh, playing on German soil and uh, and so he should because of course the, the support the players got all week was fantastic. What a shame for the, for the crowd that the final wasn't better. Let's be honest, the final was no good. Um, but Wilson... Definitely cope better than Barry Hawkins. Hawkins had played so well, so fluently the whole week. He'd made nine centuries in the tournament. Ten so far this season. Now, bearing in mind last season, Barry Hawkins only made 15 the whole campaign. So already playing much better, but not in the final. And indeed, the highest break. Well, he made 64. Wilson, 56. Not a classic. 9-3. Fizzled out a bit. There were some dramatic moments along the way. But the standard wasn't high. The thing is, we get spoiled. We get to see a lot of great matches, a lot of great finals. This wasn't one of them. It happens. But uh, Kyron Wilson, he's not going to care about any of that because, of course, not only has he won the event, but he's got himself into the Champion of Champions. He'll be in the World Grand Prix, the Players' Championship. I would say probably the Tour Championship because he's going to make good on what he's already done and, and, and certainly because of his consistency, surely going to earn enough to get in that as well. So, terrific start to the season for him and uh, ends a two-year drought without a title. I did feel he was favourite definitely coming in I think a lot of, there was a lot of chat about form coming into the final but actually when you get to the key match of the week it's more about what sort of person you are actually and there's no doubt that he has a winning mentality now of course Barry Hawkins wants to win as well but Kyron Wilson really does have that steel uh, he believes he's he should be winning tournaments and okay he didn't play great in the final but he played as well as he had to And uh, was the deserved winner. And uh, it was uh, nice to see, I think, him win another tournament. You know, he's very driven to try and improve as much as possible. Uh, He's worked hard on his game. He's really made himself into a top player from pretty low base. When he first came along, I mean, he he like a lot of players, he turned pro. Didn't last very long, I think, just one season. In the old days when it was uh, pre-Barry Hearn, when you didn't have the uh, the two-year card. Dropped off. Was spent a couple of years working behind the bar in his club. Experiencing real life. It maybe didn't do him that much harm. And it made him hungrier as well. It made him hungrier because he was missing, not being a professional for when he came back. And of course when he came back, there were far more events to play in. Far more tournaments. Got to the Crucible. I remember we played Ricky Walden. It wasn't a great encounter. But again, he went away. He worked on his game. Uh, 2015 won the Shanghai Masters of course. That was his big breakthrough. And then he started to do really well at the Crucible. And he's won now five ranking titles and I'm sure there will be more and may well be more this season. But uh, it's uh, it's nice to see, you know, he's got the reward for all that effort. I thought last season he was sort of messing around with his queue a bit too much and that got into his head. But uh, he's back now to number six in the world. He kind of made his point that, because um, he, he's got a beard in his bonnet, Karin, that um he's not in the Hong Kong Masters. Because that's for the top six plus Fu and you from Hong Kong. But it's the top six as the season began. Course he was number eight, so he's going to miss out. But he sort of made his point. <laughs> it's rather Pyrrhic to be, to be fair, but he's, he's got back to number six. Um, and uh, yeah, as I say, he, he's got lots uh, lots to work on. Barry Hawkins has got to be very disappointed, clearly with with his performance in that final. It, it was it was disappointing, and. It seems in finals, Barry either plays brilliantly or badly. It doesn't seem to be much in between. I've seen him play brilliantly that World Grand Prix when he made the five centuries. He actually played really well in the world final that he lost to Ronnie O'Sullivan. But at other times, I mean, the Masters final against O'Sullivan, you know, he lost 10-1. This year at the Masters against Robertson, he never really threatened to win that. It was a final in China. He lost to Mark Selby, 11-3. So it seems it's sort of feast or famine in finals. He's now lost four ranking finals in a row, He's not won one for five and a half years, so I guess um, it's a bit of concern, I, I suspect. I don't think Barry's that introspective. I don't think he's going to spend much time navel-gazing about it. I just think it's sort of, he would be confused, and it is confusing in general, why the golden form he displayed all week didn't show up in the final. Because against Judd Trump, 3-2 two down, two centuries and a 92. Second half against Mark Williams, from two each was superb. So, you know, it was in there, but... It didn't come out in the final. But it was a terrific week, I thought. Uh, we had some really good matches. I mean, the, the great drama at times. Uh, Judd Trump, Farrakhan jabe that was incredible how that finished. Um, I was lucky to, to commentate on a, a few good games. Ali Carter, Stuart Bingham was a particularly fine match, proper snooker match. Uh, the semi-final, actually, Wilson Carter, which also went to a decided 6-5. That was terrific. And, uh, of course, we saw, again, quite a few of the, the Chinese players, young Chinese players coming to the fore. Wu Giza C J we. Uh Fang Zhengyi, of course, bombed out in round one, the defending champion. Uh, but overall, it was uh, it was a good week. The crowds were a little quiet at first, although of course they were spread around six tables. But from Friday onwards, it was basically in the main table, basically full. No one could fault their enthusiasm, their passion. It makes such a difference for the players to feel that appreciation. And um, well, I was pleased to see it. I was pleased to see it. And uh, yeah, it's nice to uh, to have had a, another. Successful week. Uh, it was nice to be back uh, at Eurosport again, and uh, with working with all the guys there. And uh, I think the, the the one thing I would say is I, I listened to Nick and Phil on Talking Snooker, and they said one thing I really agree with. We didn't see Firth actually. Now Eurosport it wasn't a, a full studio production. There was no one out there to actually do that. But World Snooker Tour, they do their their content, and a lot of it's very good, and and they work hard on it. But they didn't go out to the venue once. Well, I think that's actually that's not true. I think before it started, they went out and did a little preview. But why not show people where you are? Because it's not a run-of-the-mill event. It's in a very kind of particular part of the world that a lot of people won't have seen. Why not sort of take... One of the good guys, a David Grace, or Barry Hawkins out for half an hour. Let's go round Firth. Let's, this is the coffee shop, you know, you, you first came to when you, when you came here. Or even, you know, let's see what the Germans like or so, or anything like that. Just see the place. I think there's a lot to be said for seeing the place. Weirdly, they just seem to always want to have a snooker table in the background of everything they do. And I really think I've said this privately. I've said it publicly. If you want to increase interest in snooker, we've already got snooker fans who are following all this what you want to do is try and reach out to non-snooker fans who actually might like to see a little travelogue. Oh, so who are these people? Looks nice. Where is that? Oh, it's Firth in Germany. What's happening there? The snooker tournament. Oh, right, okay. You know, just an idea. But anyway, overall, it was a great week. And, uh, of course, the only sort of down note, I think, on the whole thing, apart from the quality of the final, is now everything stops for a month. There's a bit of qualifying this week for... Northern Ireland Open Which is quite low key Six Reds is off Although it's going to be No announcement But I mean everybody <laughs> Everyone within the sport Is aware that's not happening In September uh, So the next event Will be the mixed doubles Followed by the British British Open Literally a month from now um, it, it seems A bit of a shame To put it mildly That the momentum That is built up By having a tournament On television Is suddenly killed When there's nothing Now There are mitigating factors of course The calendar was hard to organise Uh, The ongoing Covid situation in China Has led to the postponement effectively of five events However that's only part of the story Because what this exposes actually Is that snooker has been reliant on two markets in effect Britain and China With a little foray into Germany as well And a couple of little other pockets But it's basically Britain and China Now one of those is gone So it's a bit like flying a plane with one engine. You know, eventually you're going to get into trouble. And that's what we found. We found big gaps in the calendar. I wondered if they might try and plug them with some smaller events. Now it seems a retrograde step. It seems a backward step almost to go back to the old PTCs. But actually, a couple of small events for small prize money, but, you know, a small ranking points tariff as well. Maybe that would have been the answer. Play, you know, those old PTCs, they used to be played over three days you know, 10 grand a win or something like that, at least that will get the guys playing. It'll give them something to practice for because Karen Wilson's just won a tournament, but his next tournament will be a month away. So it's not like he'd be practicing every day f- for that one, you know, because if there was a tournament next week, it'd be different. So it's a shame, I think. I'm not apportioning blame. However, it's not just the case that, oh, well, all China's gone, so we're in trouble. We're in trouble because... We didn't quite put all our eggs in one basket. We've got two baskets, and one of them is empty at the minute. <laughs> I hope it gets filled very soon. It'd be great to go back there, but we don't actually know when that will be. It might be a couple of years. We just don't know. And it kind of exposes the fact that we haven't really penetrated too many other markets, not seriously. Um, and you know, the players, I I kind of understand why they're concerned. Um, the playing opportunities are probably now at the lowest level since Barry Hearn took over, actually. Um, because, of course, when he took over, it was a time of great expansion and very rapid expansion. Um, the game has plateaued, definitely. And it's a concern. I, I don't think we, we should be complacent enough to say, oh, well, we've got great figures and, you know, good audiences. That's only part of the story. Um, so I, I hope things pick up. Obviously, as the season continues, things will get busy. But at the moment, we've just had a big week on television and now nothing <laughs> for a month. And I think that, that you know, people within the snooker world need to be concerned about that and um, maybe need to think for what can happen in the future if, if the situation in China doesn't improve because there's no immediate sign that it will. There's talk of maybe just trying to get there at the end of the season, but that will be in a sort of quarantine situation. It won't be straightforward The point is we can't be here three years from now with the same number of tournaments. You know, we need to... The problem is there's so many other sports that are going to take the spotlight and snooker is not so big that it can afford to allow that to happen. You know, we need to be front and centre. We need to be visible. So I hope in the meantime, I mean, the qualifying's one thing, although that's incredibly soulless, it just goes out without any commentary, without any bells and whistles at all. No interviews, nothing. Um, But I hope that there is sort of content produced in the meantime that at least keeps keeps things sort of ticking over now we're going to do some emails unfortunately um there was a slight uh, incident with the emails because i get a lot of spam as you can imagine and i attempted to but the, the spam quite often goes into the inbox i attempted to clear out the spam and inadvertently got rid of a few of the emails so i apologize some of them have, have basically bit the bullet not not bit the bullet uh What's the word? Um, bit the dust. <laughs> That's a, a different thing entirely. Bit the dust. Anyway, Alpha Bonzi has survived. He said, uh, In six months, Fang Zheng Yi has gone from shocking Ronnie O'Sullivan and the snooker world in the European Masters final in front of a full house, to losing his opening match in defence of the title in front of a very sparse crowd, having won only one match in between. What's gone wrong and what can he do to get back to winning ways? And is Karen Wil- Wilson right to be annoyed that he hasn't been invited to Hong Kong in light of his victory in foot Because he was ranked just outside the top six at the end of the Crucible. Alpha, thank you. Cutting to the, cutting to the, the big issues here. Well, actually, fan, it's worse than you say because he hasn't won a match at all in between. <laughs> so literally he's not won a match since he beat O'Sullivan in that final. What's gone wrong? Well, I suppose, to be fair, he hadn't done anything before he won the tournament. Um, he wasn't really threatening to do much then. Uh, maybe now, his own expectations, the pressure on him has increased, he feels he should be you know, winning matches, maybe winning more tournaments and maybe it's taking a bit of time to readjust. I did the match with Michael Judge, it wasn't a great spectacle, he didn't play well um, and he looked ill at ease in it and um, it may be that he needs to sort of drift back into obscurity a little bit before his form picks up, it may be that he needs to... People almost need to forget about him And then minding his own business Sort of on a back table Table 4 or something He starts to come good But uh, it'll be interesting to see if he can Pick things up Is Karen Wilson right to be annoyed? Yeah, I, I think I think he, he Put it this way I, I think you can't sort of say That he shouldn't be annoyed I mean, the cut-offs for tournaments are different, aren't they? The cut-off for the players' series events Tend to come the night before On some occasions Whereas Hong Kong an event in October, the cutoff was effectively May the 3rd. And, you know, there's a good few tournaments before it. So, why, why wouldn't he be annoyed, I suppose? Um, because it's a, a very lucrative event and he'd love to be in it. Um, and I suppose there's that sense of sort of injustice that as the tournament begins, he is actually in the top six, but he won't be in the tournament. I'm sure, you know, they're, they're happy to have Shah Tong there because why wouldn't he be? But, uh, I don't mind, uh, I don't mind people being kind of, Competitive about these things because they are competitors. You know that's, that's the whole point, really, of uh, of um, you know their sort of raison d'être as snooker players. Now, Tim Sandal has picked me up on something. He's not the only one actually to have done this, uh, but we like to have a little corrections corner. Excellent podcast as always. I really enjoyed the feature on one-time winners of the World Championship at the Crucible. This was last week. He said, "There's one thing I'd like to comment on. When you said Terry Griffiths winning the World Championship inspired others to turn professional and attempt to win the championship." You mentioned Joe Johnson and Kirk Stevens. However, Stevens was already a professional and also made his first appearance in the 1979 championship, losing to Fred Davis in the last 16, 13, 8. This was a match where Davis made a century, the first of the televised stage. Interestingly, Stevens never beat Fred Davis, losing all three of his professional matches against the veteran. Perhaps this leads into another subject: the best players never to win the World Championship. I know you've chatted through this subject before. A different take on it could be by decade. So, if we take the '80s as an example, a top ten best players never to win a championship could be, and then he lists the players. I won't give it away now because we may do this later. Um, but thank you for that. But on the substantive point, yes, and other people have commented on this. Kirk Stevens, you're quite right. He did play in that tournament. Um, this was based on a conversation I had with Joe Johnson. Now, it may be that he, that Joe, misremembered, or I misremembered what Joe told me. Either is possible. But happy to clarify that. But the big Kirk Stevens news now. This this is apropos very little. But uh, you know we're all friends here. Kirk Stevens last week was 64. Okay, on the 17th of August, and I was having a chat with Alan McManus. Uh, We had the evening off, and you know as you do, we were talking about Kirk Stevens, and he was we just mentioned the fact he was going to be 64 the next day. And Alan, you know, mentioned he'd seen him play uh, Will Qualify and he beat Joe Swale uh, very handsomely one year and and anyway, we talked about Kirk, then we went off and talked about other things, but an hour later we were talking about what we'd done in the summer and Alan had mentioned he'd been to this music festival in Glasgow and Belinda Carlin played there, you know, and talked about her. And I said, I wonder how old Belinda Carlisle is now, because she's been around a long time. I said, I wonder if she's if she's older than Kirk Stevens, or whether he's older than her. There was no wagering, it was just a conversation. So I Googled her, and here's the thing, they were born on exactly the same day, in the same year. August the 17th, 1958, Kirk Stevens and Belinda Carlisle. Now you might say, who cares? Well, we cared at the time, because what are the chances of just naming... Two completely random, disparate people—one a snooker player, one a singer—not related to one another in any way. Two people we mentioned, who's older? It turns out they're born on exactly the same day. Now you know there have been been—they've been TV series m- made on less than this. <laughs> so anyway, that's uh, that's Kirk Stevens and Belinda Carlisle. I won't lie; we were in a pub when we were discussing this, and that's—that's that's, this is a segue into Ryan Watterson. Says, can you settle a pub, argue, pub argument between myself and snooker fan royalty Kelly Barker? Was there a crowd at the 1982 Players Professional Championship, where Ray Reardon became the oldest ranking event winner? Additionally, can I suggest Mike Watterson for the next edition of Snooker Player Bingo? Well, of course, uh, thank you, Ryan. Ryan is part of the Watterson uh, dynasty. Uh, Mike Watterson, of uh, a player, but also probably best known for being a promoter. Took the World Championship to the Crucible, most famously. That's uh, kind of his great legacy. But actually, also he inaugurated the, the UK Championship, World World Cup, and, and you know was a, was a very very significant figure in the sport until the <laughs> the was at the time in their in their nice way took it all off him. But anyway, I think I'm right in saying that uh, that uh, Ryan would be Mike's. I'm going to say great nephew. I think that's right. Uh, the professional players' tournament in 1982 was held in. Uh, Birmingham, I think there were two venues, I've looked back on this, one in Sutton Coalfield, one in Aston. I don't believe it was televised, so without knowing for sure, I would imagine there must have been an audience, otherwise I guess what would have been the point in it? Um, it wasn't a televised event. So I'm, I'm assuming one of you thinks there wasn't, and one of you thinks that there was. I have no proof either way, um, but I'm going to guess there probably was. Um yeah, I'm gonna guess that there was. But the people are listening it may have been there, so you know, we don't just want guesswork, we want the facts. So please do write in, snooker scene podcast at mail dot com. podcast at mail dot com. Do write in and uh well let us know. Was there an audience or not? Nine eighty two professional players tournament. Uh we've got some sort of emails from a couple of weeks ago here, Gordon Hughes. Uh still keeping up with watching the podcast episodes. Watching them? Uh, They're my tonic for the busy working week. A few questions from me. What's your thoughts on the whole situation with Liang Wenbo at the British Open qualifiers? I saw the clip, and to be honest, it was not something he should have done, considering it was his first professional match after his suspension, where he would have been better served not doing anything that could cause headlines. Um, Well, I'll deal with that first. There was an incident where he was playing Dean Young, and he came to the table to check that, I think it was the black was spotted properly. I've got to be honest about this. All I saw was the clip, and... It's slightly out of context, you you know, I think you have to watch maybe maybe the whole frame, maybe even the whole match to actually uh, judge his overall behaviour. The clip looked terrible, and as like you say, he'd been suspended, you'd think he'd keep your head down. But I'm not actually going to join in the sort of chorus of disapproval based on just seeing a 20-second clip, Um, you know, because it's not like he's the only person who's ever done that. But I am surprised he sort of got involved with things when, you know, you think you just keep keep your head down for a bit uh, I know this was sent before the European Masters um, it's coming up this week it said, be, f- be the first time I've watched it when it's been out, of, out out in Europe, I only watched the more recent editions which have been held in the UK due to the pandemic, as a result it'll be the first time I'm seeing the Stathauer on TV and since it's the first tournament since the Paul under Classic, what kind of atmosphere would we like to see from the fans? Well, of course, <laughs> I'm answering this after the tournament. It was it was quite quiet early on, but it got great last three days. They were they were brilliant, and like I say, the final wasn't wasn't great, but they definitely made it an occasion. And you know, it was you could see both Karen and Barry genuinely warmed by the the reception that they got. Uh, Gordon adds, I hope Ronnie is able to recover from tennis elbow soon as his presence will be missed this week. It's a big blow for ITV WST if he can't make it to the mixed doubles as it'll be one of the biggest draws for the tournament. Uh, well, yes, yeah, so, well I agree with that Gordon. I suspect he will play in that to be honest. Um, it's only two days. It may be he doesn't play in the British Open but he does play in that. We'll see. You never know with uh, with Ronnie but uh, one hopes he's there uh, because you know he will uh, definitely be like you say, more of an occasion. Uh, Scott McCart has written in ranking the top UK finals. I'm going to leave that one, Scott, because we may come we may come back to it at some point. Um, I have to say I don't agree with uh, your list, but <laughs> but that's fine. Uh, we will uh, we will come back to it. Uh, now what have we got here? Uh, you see, some people would pause things here and, and and all would have prepared better at the start. But uh, oh, here we are. Uh, now I may have read this out last week. I can't remember. Matt Tarrant. Um, he said, I hope you're well. I'm very happy you've come back after the short break. Jarvis Cocker, in his book Good Pop, Bad Pop, says that some describe snooker as chess with balls. Clive James said whoever described snooker as chess with balls was rude but right. But do we know who first said it? Well, I don't know. I mean, you know, Clive James would have been a contender, but it seems he's, he's not claiming it. Um, it's a good description. Uh but um, two of my great heroes there actually Jarvis Cocker and Clive James. But um, I don't know who said it first, no. Uh, no. <laughs> if anyone does, again, let us know. Now, our dear friend David Burney in Canada, who I met at the World Championship, he gave me maple syrup. Proper stuff, you know, it's not Aldi. Uh, he said, I hope your pancakes taste well with that maple syrup. Thanks again for the podcast, as I was able to meet many snooker, f- many fellow listeners when I was in Sheffield for the World Championship. Hi to Tim in Manchester. I believe that's his name. we had some great chats about snooker and try not to get interrupted by an excitable and maybe not all there boxing fan. You see, all human life is here, isn't it? He says, I thought for, I thought for the gentleman who's making his snooker room that green and burgundy could be a nice combination for paint on the walls. Also, if the gentleman was looking for pictures, he could reach out to me on Facebook as I've uploaded some photos I took from last year's World Championship. Can we correct some myths about cleaning tables? Some people are fortunate to have a table in their house... And other people just want to help out their clubs. Brushing. Do we brush after every session? Do we brush in one long sweep down the table or multiple overlapping little sweeps? As well, have you heard to brush the table from top to bulk every once in a while as long as you have a blocker to push down the nap afterwards? How often do you block the table? What is a blocker? As well, how often should you iron a table? If you didn't have a snooker table iron, can you use a household one? And if so, what setting would you put it at? I heard wool is the best setting, but am I wrong? Is there a better setting for a household iron? How often should you vacuum a table? Would doing too much vacuuming pull the cloth off off the slate? As well, what's the best attachment for a vacuum to clean the tables? I know some of the answers, but I think some snooker players don't know all the ins and outs of cleaning a table, because I feel if you're going to spend some time cleaning the table, the table will reward you back. And then he he lists uh, some, some ideas for snooker player bingo, which we may come to. Well, thank you, David. I mean, I don't know the answers to any of those things, really. Uh... I'm not. I'm not a table fitter. Um, of course, you know lots of snooker clubs are going back. It seemed the cloths were kind of on for decades. Um, a bit different now in the academies. But if, any, if anyone knows the answers to those questions, it'd be useful um, for anyone who's trying to sort of keep their table in uh, proper proper order. I just remembered. Actually, we had an, a, a, an email a few weeks ago about earpieces in Germany. Now at the Portlander Classic. There was actually bespoke commentary. Daniel Schneider was doing commentary uh, on site. So you would have seen people with earpieces. They weren't listening to the TV commentary in either English or German. There was, a, there was an actual... Daniel was there actually doing the commentary in person. So uh, for the gentleman... Uh, I don't know whether that'll be repeated at the temper drone, but the gentleman wrote in, he, him and his son... I think his son was uh, visually impaired. John, I think it was. And um, he was asking about that. Well, it, at the Paul Hunter Classic... They did have bespoke commentary, so maybe that's something that they're that they're kind of looking at. Uh, now then, we'll go on to Russell Wilcox. He says, "I hope you're well. You keep you keep saying snooker is near the end. Well, it is near the end. Now I'll just jump in here. I've never said that, Russell. Actually, <laughs> just to be clarified, I've never said snooker is near near the end. Um, I don't believe it is. But anyway, we'll continue." He said the reason being the end of social and working men's clubs. When I was a young lad many moons ago, I would go to the club on a Sunday with my dad, and when no one was about, he would let me have a knock-around. That's how most young kids started. But then the dreaded no-smoking pubs came in, and that really put an end to it. There are still clubs about, but the prices are ridiculous. When I played, it was about 50p in the metre for 40 minutes. Now you go in a snooker club, it's about £10 an hour, and more depending on where you live. Who can afford that these days? The other and most obvious reason for the lack of interest in snooker is bloody phones and computers. They're turning all the young people into zombies, I'm afraid. I sincerely hope Snooker doesn't go away, but where are the next generation of good players going to come from? Well, the answer to that last question, I suppose, is, is not Britain. I mean, we're, we're quite sort of parochial at times. Um, it may be that, yeah, that's the, the, you outline, I think, quite correctly, the end of the sort of social clubs and so on, and the, the changing culture generally. But we've seen, um, you know, in China, Snooker's been on the school curriculum, <laughs> and we've ended up with players... You know, Twenty-seven of them on the tour now, um, moving over here, playing in the academies, improving all the time. And there are young players from Britain. I mean, I think the, the sort of the strongholds. You look at Wales. Dillard Emery's come on the tour. He looks a really good prospect. Obviously, Jackson Page is already there. You know, Northern Ireland, Scotland. There are parts of the UK where there's always been a sort of snook heritage, and I think they will still produce players. Maybe not at the the numbers before, and you know how do you get good you get good through competition so you need the numbers to make you good and if they're not there it'll be more difficult but i don't think it's all doom and gloom um and you know it's true yes things have changed people have phones and all the rest of it but not everybody is like that if if you're dedicated you're dedicated and you to play snooker well you need a certain mindset and i i i fail to accept that there's no one with that mindset now there must be kids out there who are driven like a Stephen Hendry was, like a Steve Davis was. By the way, Steve's sixty-five today. Now, I don't know. Um, I'm not going to just name a random a random pop star from the '80s and see if They're the same age, but he is sixty-five. We must uh, bow down to the great man. But yeah, th- there will be there will be young people out there who are maybe a bit different to their friends who actually are dedicated. It's true there are more distractions than there used to be, far more. And does a twelve-year-old, a thirteen-year-old want to spend? four hours a day in a dark room, potting balls, maybe not. Um, but I, I always think every sport eventually renews itself and you find new stars. You look at men's tennis, you know, people have said for a while, well, when Federer, Nadal and Djokovic go, who's going to take over? But they find these people. This Alcares from Spain, for example, has come along, looks like a, a superstar in the making. Um, and I think the same will happen in snooker. So I, I've never said that it's near the end. I said earlier on in this podcast that we're struggling at the moment ...for professional tournaments... ...and I hope that that changes... ...but the actual... ...the bedrock of the game is actually television... ...and the interest from broadcasters... ...is as as strong as it's ever been... Um, ...so hopefully that will translate into... ...participation... ...one of the problems is... ...it's so British dominated in terms of the, the circuit... ...you know it's the World Snooker Tour... ...but so much of it is based in Britain... ...or rather the players have to be based in Britain... ...that it's very hard for players outside the UK to make a go of it because of course they need funding and and a big commitment as well especially when you're young to move to another country it's not easy um, so uh, you know there, there, there are issues around that as well but um, you, you can pretty much guarantee that new stars will come along because they kind of always do now like I say we did have other emails but unfortunately <laughs> I've managed to delete them but um, anyway uh, yeah, you know, that, that was one of those things Um so we're going to leave it there it's not been a long podcast but it has been quite a long week um, but uh, we sort of as I say we're we're entering a period of uh, a fallow period um, for the next few weeks building up to the mixed doubles which I think we're looking forward to the British Open as well and then the tournaments thankfully do come a little bit more regularly I will be here um, <laughs> enthusiasm there is, is quite incredible isn't it I was thinking of sort of taking a few weeks off And doing what Simon Bates used to do Now Simon Bates, there's one for the teenagers He used to be a Radio 1 DJ um, And um, When he went on holiday When when most DJs went on holiday they just Another DJ came and replaced them But he was quite savvy because obviously It could be they were better than you So what he did was he got celebrities to sit in So I remember remember Neil Tennant did it one week for the Pet Shop Boys And uh, Unfortunately I don't know Neil Tennant um, although there's a circularity here because we do actually share a birthday, not the same year, but anyway, um, I fear this is descending into just banality. Um, what I'm saying is I will be here. Uh, we may have a few more countdowns. Uh, I suspect the, the podcast won't be very long. Um, but anyway, uh, it's free. <laughs> that's, that's all I can say about it, really. You don't have to pay for it. Um, in the meantime, we're members of the Sports Social Network. Check out their other podcasts if you want to. Uh, you can email us at dot mail.com Now next week I am plan to be doing these sort of rundowns plan to look at Steve Davis's six world titles and try and put them in proper order and I have to say having thought about it, it's actually quite difficult <laughs> because there's certain cases you can make for, for various ones of them actually so anyway, if anyone's got any thoughts on that do let us know uh, In the meantime, congratulations again to Karen Wilson um, and I'm interested to see now to what extent he pushes on and continues to have a good season. Um, and thanks again to our German fans for their wonderful support. And as we, always, I don't know what the German is for this, but as we always say, goodbye bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.